Welcome. You are listening to Central Synagogue's podcast, featuring sermons, lectures, and conversations from Manhattan's historic Central Synagogue. I'm Rabbi Angela Bookdahl. Each week, we invite you to listen to messages of strength and hope given by our clergy on Shabbat or Jewish holidays. You can also listen to audio recordings of other programs and lectures given at Central by subscribing to this podcast on the platform of your choice. If you'd like to watch our live stream services or learn more about our congregation, I invite you to visit us at centralsynagogue.org. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon. And raise me up to a world living, oh, safe from the storm, in the shelter of your shadow. Are you a God? Are you a God? That question is posed by Gozer the Gozerian to Race Dance, one of the Ghostbusters. It's an iconic moment in that 1980s comedy. There at the top of a building on the Upper West Side of Manhattan, Gozer the Gozerian is ready to destroy New York City. But standing in the demigod's way are the Ghostbusters. Ray has just issued a demand that Gozer leave the city, and uncertain of who they are, Gozer asks Ray, are you a god? And Ray, confused and unsure, replies, no? At which point Gozer cries out, then die, and bolts of lightning shoot from her fingers, sending the Ghostbusters hurling away. And when they land, Winston, a fellow Ghostbuster, shares sage advice with Ray, words that have stood the test of time, quoted by philosophers and poets alike. I can tell some of you know this line. He says, Ray, when someone asks you if you're a god, you say yes. And though this, this question comes from an unlikely source, I want us to take it seriously this morning. Are you a god? Now, viscerally, we bristle at this question's very premise. Judaism forbids us from making any image of god. God is formless. God transcends time and space. Now, Judaism is unequivocal. God is not human. God is not at all like humanity. And yet I want us to ask, can humanity be like God? Are we like God? Now, despite what you may be feeling in your kishkis, this question is not as heretical as it sounds. The idea that humanity could be like God is implied in the Torah itself. At the beginning of all things, in the Garden of Eden, the serpent explained to Eve that should she eat from the fruit of the tree of knowledge, vitem ke Elohim yode tov vara, Ye humans shall be like God, who knows good from bad. And the serpent, 
was telling us the truth. In the Garden of Eden, God created two paths to become like God, each of which was embodied by a tree. Eat from the tree of life and live forever here in the garden. Or eat from the tree of knowledge, learn the difference between good and evil, and go enter the world. We had to choose which way we would become like God. And we chose morality rather than immortality. Humans became like God not by living forever, but by gaining the ability to distinguish between good and evil. And while Christianity views this as the great fall from paradise, Judaism maintains a wider interpretation of that expulsion. You see, eating the fruit from the tree of knowledge, that was not a sin. It was what God hoped we would do. God wished more than anything that humanity would choose moral understanding and then with God go out into the world and try to make it good. What God wants and what Judaism expects is that we will use our God-like power of morality to imitate or to play God. Now, that phrase, play God, has some baggage that we have to address. In the modern Western world, the idea of playing God is an accusation. It has a negative connotation. Who are you to play God? We might hear a pundit scream out. Because in our society, to play God is to misuse power. We have no business wielding. But Judaism's concept of playing God is radically different. For Jews, playing God is not an accusation. It's an aspiration. Walk in God's ways, demands the Torah. We are commanded to play God in the world, to make use of our God-like power. If ever there was a mission statement for the Jewish people one that is accepted by all streams of Judaism across all of time, this is it. Go play God. Though there's a little bit more baggage we need to address. Frequently, someone meets with me and sheepishly, or if there have been a mitzvah student, quite stridently shares with me that they do not believe in God. I assure them that they are not alone, and I would wager that if we took an informal poll, they would find that they are in very good company in this congregation and in many congregations. But more important than that is that you do not need to believe in God to play God, because the actions are what are important. The Jewish philosopher Martin Buber said it this way, he said, God does not want to be believed in or debated and defended by us, but simply to be realized through us. You see, regardless of what we believe, we can still act God-like. But the first step is getting to know God because you can't imitate what you don't know. So we have to ask who is God? Who is God? 
And when I was practicing this, my wife informed me that that's the most terrifying question a rabbi could ask halfway through a sermon. But we're going to luckily make this very quick because Moses asked that question in the Torah. And we can share with you God's response. In order to do that, I need someone to be the voice of God, and I'm wondering, uh, would you be willing? The walk-up is suggesting yes. Okay, okay. <laughs> you left yes. me hanging for way too long on that. So It's a big invite. It's a big invite, but I know you're up to it, and I think we all know that. So uh, in the Torah, Moses asks, God, who are you? And, and this is God's response. It might be familiar. Adonai, Adonai, a good God. That Torah text might be familiar to you. It's called the 13 attributes of God's goodness. And it's the basis of Judaism's understanding of who God is and how God acts. And that makes it one of the main tools that we can use as we seek to play God. And every Rosh Hashanah and every Yom Kippur we recite those verses before the open ark over and over and over again as if we're saying to one another, this is the essence of God's goodness. And therefore, this is how we must walk in the world. The rabbis of antiquity made this point clearly in the Midrash. How do we walk in God's ways? They asked. And because they were rabbis, they answered their own question. They said, well, in the 13 attributes of God's goodness, God is called merciful and gracious. Therefore, we should be merciful and gracious. God is called righteous. Therefore, we should be righteous. On and on they went. Lily Montague, a leader of liberal Judaism, summarized it all beautifully. She said, if we want to commune with God, we should seek to imitate God's goodness. So what are these 13 good attributes that we are meant to embody. The first attribute is that God is all-powerful. And, and I admit, that's a tough one to embody for us. That's, that's, that's hard. That, that takes a little bit of, of discernment. But the way we do that is by playing God. Because we live in a time when the Almighty is not going around splitting seas or speaking out from bushes. So God is only as powerful as our actions on God's behalf. So if Adonai is going to be all-powerful, then we must act on these 13 attributes powerfully. God is in fact counting on us. And if this first attribute is a summons to go play God, 
Attributes 2 through 13 are our playbook. Here they are. Two and three go together. God shows us compassion before and after we make mistakes. So we should strive to prevent those around us from making mistakes and also to have empathy for folks who have done wrong and are trying to rectify it. Attribute four is that God provides for those in need. So we should look around us and honestly ask, who is struggling? Because their needs are our responsibility. The fifth attribute is that God is kind. So can we take that feeling of fellowship that we feel for those within our own tribe and extend it out into ever-widening circles of concern? The sixth attribute is that God cares for future generations. To imitate this one, we have to adopt what I call a God's eye view and think not in terms of today or tomorrow or even our own lifespan, but focus on the impact of our choices on generations who are not yet born. The seventh attribute is that God acts with grace. We Jews don't talk about grace as much as some of our other co-religionists, but to embody it, we stop asking whether someone deserves our help. Our default assumption becomes that everyone is worthy of our care. The eighth attribute is that God is slow to anger. Okay, so we have to embody patience even at the DMV, even at the UPS store, and I've seen some of you there. The ninth attribute is that God is truthful. So now we're getting very countercultural. But I'm here to tell you that truth-telling and honesty, while not in vogue, are godly. 10, 11, and 12 all have to do with forgiveness. They start, all of them, if we repent, and that's an important condition, but if we repent, God forgives us when we accidentally sin, when we disobey God, and even when we rebel against God. And therefore, if someone repents, we should strive to forgive those who unintentionally slight us, those who purposefully wrong us, and those who cast themselves as our enemies. That's likely the teenagers in your home. The thirteenth and final attribute is that God not only forgives, God also pardons. Therefore, we should try to restart relationships with those who come to us seeking sincere forgiveness. Those are all 13. None of them are revolutionary. I would venture to guess that we all strive to inhabit these good qualities. But the more that we learn about the human mind, the more we understand that while these attributes run in concert with our hearts, they run counter to our inclinations. And our inclinations are powerful. Therefore, it requires discipline, real discipline to turn what we know is right into a habitual and, yes, even godly practice. But Judaism and Jewish living provide the discipline we need to make playing God routine. 
For instance, once we accept that one of the 13 attributes of God's goodness is to go out and play God, well, then we're left with 12 attributes to pursue. And that's a convenient number because we can make one attribute our focus each month. And if we work diligently month after month and year after year, we will become better and better at playing God. But that's not quite enough. Adonai does not want us to learn to be saints in solitude. It's not only about changing who we are. It's about changing who we are when we show up. Because God shows up. All throughout our stories, God is always showing up. Most remarkably, God shows up when help is neither expected nor sought. On Rosh Hashanah, we read about Hagar and Ishmael and how they were in trouble. And they call out, not to the Ghostbusters, not even to God. They just call out in desperation. And God showed up. It's the same at the beginning of the Exodus story. The Israelites are in Egypt and they are suffering. And we read that they cry out, not to anyone specific, but God hears it. And God shows up to help. God shows up to do good. And in order to play God, we have to do the same. We can't hesitate. We can't say it isn't our business. We can't say someone else more proximate will intercede. The person in pain shouldn't have to make an appeal to us. The grieving mourner shouldn't have to invite us to their door. The person who roams our street hungry shouldn't need to beg. Jews play God by extending goodness without being asked. Rabbi Adam Kligfeld once put it, listen with your ear close but your heart closer to the voices of goodness in your tradition. Identify those voices of goodness as godliness and go make it more real and more visible in the world. Because we know we know more than ever that communities are sustained by the actions of individuals playing God. During COVID, our fellow members played God. They gathered groceries for elder members and neighbors. They sewed masks for strangers when they couldn't be bought and purchased. They tracked down vaccination slots for those most at risk. All throughout the year, fellow members play God. They feed hungry New Yorkers. They mentor underserved high school seniors. They work with Central's efforts to reform the criminal justice system and to meet the challenges of food insecurity in this city. Our teens are even playing God. They've formed the Central Climate Initiative and they're working to sustain the world however they can for future generations. You'll get to meet some of these remarkable teens in our afternoon worship. But you see, Torah tells us unequivocally, we are like God. So we might as well get good at it. Now perhaps you're thinking, Rabbi, I do not have time 
to focus on a godly attribute every month. Or even more challenging, in the messy world in which I live, it is not always clear how to play God. I hear you. Those challenges are real. But this commandment is too essential to ignore. So when, when I need a shorthand, I rely on advice that my grandfather, Rabbi Ernst Lord Zichonolivracha, used to share when someone would come to him with a dilemma. And he would ask them, what is the loving thing to do? What's the loving thing to do? It's akin to asking, what is the godly thing to do? And nine times out of ten, if we answer it honestly, it'll lead us to walk in God's ways. So here, at the turning of another year, we once again face Judaism's grand command to each and every one of us, go play God. Be like God. Take God outside of the confines of these walls, not by preaching about God's goodness, but by embodying it. And next year when we meet again and I ask you, are you a God? Be ready to say, no, but I play God. In reality, not on TV, each and every day by doing physical, tangible, practical good for my neighbors and for strangers, and most importantly, for those who are not expecting it. And I'd always praise your name. Thank you for listening to this edition of Central Synagogue's podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you're in the loop on future episodes. And please follow us on social media or watch our live stream at centralsynagogue.org, our Facebook page, or on national cable at the Jewish Broadcasting Service. Thanks again for joining us. Shalom.